Well, let me welcome you to Stevenson High Kirk here in North Ayrshire, where we share in our morning devotions. It's always lovely to join with you. And so thank you for inviting me into your homes. Well, we also want to give a big congratulations to Andrew and Catherine McGee, who were married yesterday. It was just a joy being with them. So we do remember them very much in our prayers and their families too. Well, we're going to sing this morning in our opening hymn, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine.
let us unite our hearts in prayer. Let's pray. O gracious God, how we rejoice today in the fact that you did not leave us in the darkness, but you came our way with the light of grace and gospel truth. And we pray that we might know the power of that light in our experience and see its effect in every place where we are called to live and labour and work and minister. And for our world today we cry to you, let there be light. And we pray that you will come with gospel power to scatter the darkness so that men and women and boys and girls will enjoy the light of life. O Lord, bless us, encourage us, forgive us, cleanse us, renew and revive us. Be with us now in this precious time of worship. Let praise be our battle cry, for you reign victorious, forever glorious, for Jesus Christ is Lord. And so we give thanks today for your word, for all that your word conveys to us and for all that your word by your spirit will do in and through us. Oh, we pray that your Holy Spirit will now rest upon us, fill us, and that you would be our teacher, granting wisdom and understanding, and help us to be bearish of your truth as we live our lives for your glory. And as we pray in Jesus' precious name, we now join our hearts as we share in the Lord's Prayer, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, I'm now going to invite Daniel to read to us from the Word of God. Thanks, Daniel. Let us hear the Word of God as we read in the book of Genesis, chapter 50, verses 15 to 26. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, What if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph, saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what has now been done. The saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Joseph stayed in Egypt along with all his father's family. He lived 110 years and saw the third generation of Ephraim's children. Also the children of Machir, son of Manasseh, were placed at birth on Joseph's knees. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of this land to the land he promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And Joseph made the sons of Israel swear an oath and said, God will surely come to your aid and then you must carry my bones up from this place. So Joseph died at the age of 110, 
and after they embalmed him, he was placed in a coffin in Egypt. This is the word of God, to be all the glory. Amen. Well, will you come with me once again on the road to Emmaus as Jesus speaks to his disciples where he opens up the scriptures, showing them that the Messiah must walk the road of grace, which would take him from suffering to glory. Well, as Jesus opened the scriptures, their eyes were opened. They could see Jesus, their Messiah, through all the scriptures, beginning with Moses. Oh, it all made sense. Yes, he had to suffer before entering his glory. As Jesus may have led them through Genesis, they would see Christ in the life of Adam, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and this morning we get a glimpse of the life of Christ in the life of Joseph. As we turn to the closing scenes of Genesis 50, we find Joseph and his brothers at their father's graveside. As the brothers stood there, Their father, Jacob, was now a reminder of their sins, their folly, their treachery, their scheming, their jealousy, their hatred. I can see Reuben there blaming himself, Judah riddled with guilt and shame. And so they plead for mercy at the feet of Joseph. But oh, I love the heart of Joseph. Instead of reminding them of their sins and their past, he reminds them of their future. And he reminds them of the providence and sovereignty of God. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. I'm sure some of the brothers may have thought, what good could come out of my wicked and sinful life? But Joseph goes on, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Oh, I like that. But the scene now changes to the dying words of Joseph, there at verse 24. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die, but God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of this land, to the land he promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And Joseph made the sons of Israel swear an oath and said, God will surely come to your aid, and then you must carry my bones up from this place. Why were they to remember Joseph's bones? Well, the bones of Joseph speak of his life. At a graveside, we're not there to merely visit and admire a gravestone. We remember our loved ones. We remember their personality, their character. We remember their life. In Acts chapter 9, we read about the disciple Dorcas, who was sick and had died. We're told Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Well, with the dead body of Dorcas there lying on the bed, all the widows could remember was her life. They would show Peter all the garments and the robes that she had made. Well, therefore, the bones of Joseph would be a reminder of his life. But more than that, Joseph's bones point to a greater than Joseph. Out of all the patriarchs, I find Joseph actually to be the most Christ-like in every area of his life. I can therefore picture the Lord Jesus taking time going through the life of Joseph Oh, can you see your Messiah? 
He had to suffer and die before entering his glory. Well, like his father Jacob, Joseph was a shepherd, feeding the flock. He was one of twelve brothers and the oldest son of Rachel. His name meant addition. God had added to the life of Rachel. And in her barrenness, as we're told how God opened her womb and gave her a son, Joseph, oh, he was a miraculous child. He was born out of a miracle of grace. He was deeply loved of his mother, yes, but oh, how he was favoured of his father. Behold my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Of course, we read later on how Pharaoh also gave him a new name, Zaphnath Paneah, the revealer of secrets. Well, A.W. Pink shares how this name could have a double meaning in the life of Joseph. First, he revealed his father's heart, for he is here seen as a special object on which Jacob's affections were centred. And then Pink goes on to say, secondly, he revealed the hearts of his brethren by making manifest their wicked hatred. Well, in Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, we read there, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Well, the bones of Joseph, yes, they speak of his life, but we also notice that the bones of Joseph would have spoken of his suffering and humiliation. In the life of Joseph, we're reminded that he was hated of his brothers. He would reveal prophetic insight into their future and would reveal reports of his brother's wickedness. Well, in John's Gospel, Jesus tells his disciples, The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that what it does is evil. Well, we read here how Joseph's brothers envied him and they now want to kill him. Does that sound familiar? Well, Judah suggests selling him into slavery for 20 pieces of silver. Well, we read that 20 pieces of silver was the price of an underage slave, but a fully mature male would fetch 30 pieces of silver. So here in Genesis, we're told that Joseph was only 17 and therefore was not regarded as a fully mature man. So it's interesting, isn't it, to note that Judas' name also in the Greek translation of the Bible is Judas. Well, Joseph continues to know a life of suffering as he's now sold into Egypt, the place of darkness and death. Well, after being falsely accused by his master Potiphar's wife, he's cast into the deep darkness of a prison cell. And he now finds himself between two condemned criminals. Well, while in this prison cell, Joseph interprets the dreams of the baker and the cupbearer there, and he reveals their future destiny. One of them will be executed, while the other will be restored to Pharaoh's kingdom. Well, Joseph says to the one who is going to be restored, Remember me. Oh, the bones of Joseph, yes, they spoke of his life. They would speak of his suffering and humiliation. But the bones of Joseph also speak of his glory. God remembers Joseph there in that prison cell. And he's now brought before Pharaoh to interpret his troubling dreams. And Pharaoh recognised that the Spirit of God was with Joseph. 
And so, notice, he is exalted to the highest place, to the right hand of the king, to Pharaoh himself. Then we're told that he is clothed in majesty. He's given new garments. A signet ring is placed on his finger. And then Joseph receives a chosen bride. Asenath, daughter of Potiphera, the priest of On. Isn't that lovely? As Joseph is exalted to the highest place, oh, he there receives his bride. Well, Pharaoh then commands that every knee should bow before Joseph, and he gives him all authority over the whole of Egypt. Well, over the coming years of famine, all nations would eventually come to Joseph for the bread of life. Oh, here was God's shepherd feeding the flock. Through Joseph, all nations of the world would be blessed. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Isn't that wonderful? Yes. Oh, hallelujah. The bones of Joseph, yes, they would have spoken to his brothers of his life of his suffering and humiliation, but oh, they would speak of his glory too. But we also notice that the bones of Joseph spoke of a greater than Joseph. Joseph's instructions about his bones were told that he gave them by faith. In Hebrews 11 verse 22, we're told it was by faith. For Joseph was looking beyond Canaan to another kingdom, to the kingdom of God. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Oh, Joseph did not see death as the end for him. Four hundred years would pass. His bones were a reminder, yes, of his life, his suffering, his glory. But the bones of Joseph also spoke of resurrection. Joseph's body would not lay in a grave in Egypt. God will bring you out of this land, he told his brothers. As Jesus walks with the disciples, there on the road to Emmaus, oh, it's no wonder their hearts were burning. Oh, they got it. Jesus' body would not remain in the tomb. He was meant to suffer and die before entering his glory. Isn't that great? As Paul writes to the Corinthians in chapter 15 at verse 22, Since Christ arose, we shall rise also. Well, when I think of the life of Joseph, I'm always reminded of William Cooper's hymn, God moves in a mysterious way, his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. Deep in unfathomable minds of never-failing skill, He treasures up his bright designs and works his sovereign will. Ye fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds ye so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessings on your head. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind a frowning providence he hides a smiling face. His purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. Blind unbelief is sure to err, and scan his work in vain. 
God is his own interpreter and he will make it plain. And so this morning we see Joseph on his deathbed, but oh what faith. He believed with all his heart that God had a future plan, despite their present circumstances. A promise of a better land, no more tears, no more suffering, no more heartache, no more hatred, no more killing, no more COVID-19, no more cancer. Oh, God's plan may take 400 years, but Joseph knew God will work all things together for good to those who love and trust him. Yes, I believe as Jesus showed the disciples the life of Joseph, they saw a shepherd, hated, despised and rejected, his own people trying to kill him, sold like a slave for pieces of silver, falsely accused, condemned with two criminals, But then after his suffering, he is raised up to the highest place. He receives his bride and is given all authority. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Oh, our greater than Joseph is here this morning. Are you hungry for the bread of life? For Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. And again in verse 37 of John chapter 6, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. Oh, it is my prayer that once again you would get such a glimpse of Christ, our greater than Joseph, Oh, trust him, oh, believe in him, and receive life in his name. Whatever you're going through in life, you may be feeling spiritually dry and empty. You may feel as if there is a spiritual famine upon your own life and heart. Oh, during the years of famine, all the nations would go to Joseph for bread. Oh, today, oh, come to Christ, our living bread, and may the Lord fill you and satisfy your soul. Oh, God bless you. Well, I'm delighted once again that we have Aileen Gilchrist to lead us as we worship together. And so let's worship as we sing, I'd Rather Have Jesus. Yeah. 
Helen Wilson to lead us in our intercessory prayers. Thanks, Helen. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we come once again into your presence through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for your unconditional love towards us, as shown in the giving of your only begotten Son to die for our sins. We rejoice that, as in the story of Joseph, it was meant for evil, but you, Father, meant it for good. Lord, we acknowledge with grateful hearts that you triumphed over evil and death and became the saviour of the world. And now you are alive and exalted over everything. 
Father, you have promised to meet all our needs. And so we bring to you the many needs of our sisters and brothers in our church family and further afield. May those facing loneliness, illness or sadness find rest in your everlasting arms. We pray especially again for the devastation being endured in India. We pray that the desperate need for oxygen and ventilators will be met and the vaccines will be distributed fairly and speedily. Do protect all those who are putting their own lives at risk as they seek to care for so many sick people. We pray for our friend Suresh and his teams that they will obtain the funding and equipment they require. O Lord, hear the cries of your people and let us see an end to this pandemic. And as restrictions are eased, help us all to act responsibly. We ask for your guidance for governments and leaders on this issue. And we ask that those who have been newly elected will act wisely and with integrity in the many circumstances they will face. Grant them courage and compassion and cause them to make wise decisions. Help us to remember to keep praying for them. Father, as your word is proclaimed today, open hearts, hearts and minds to receive it. Speak, Lord, and let many hear and turn to you in response. Give us all hearts of love for each other. Fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit, that we may give our best to you and show the love of Jesus to all we meet. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers as we ask all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Helen, for leading us in our intercessory prayers. Well, we're now going to sing our closing hymn, The Valley of Vision.
now let us go in the strength of the Lord and the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son and Holy Spirit be with us and remain with us now and always. Amen.